Hey, what's up, guys? It's your host, Ben Henwood, and welcome back to New Generation. This is episode three. Um, I know it's been a while. I apologize. I've had some crazy stuff going on in my personal life, but regardless of that, I'm really excited to be back. Um, I have some changes that I'm going to be making to the podcast just from a stylistic uh, standpoint, um, and I just want to improve things, um, but that will be um, more of a later topic of discussion. So just for what we're going to be going over today, um, we're going to be starting with our COVID-19 report. Um, then following that, we're going to be going into our statistic of the week. And then today's discussion topic will be Hong Kong's umbrella movement, um, which is basically a movement in Hong Kong that has been protesting China's surveillance of Hong Kong and its citizens and how much power China actually has over Hong Kong. Um, and then at the end, we're going to kind of go over some of the changes I have in mind for the podcast and things coming up. So yeah, I'm super excited. Um, and yeah, let's get into things. All right, everybody. So now we're going to start off with our statistic of the week. Um, our statistic of the week is from bestlifeonline.com. And the statistic of the week this week is Americans read for personal interest for 10 minutes or less per day. Um, that is pretty tough. Uh, I, I don't really read as much as I used to either, but it's definitely something I think everyone should get back into. opens up a different part of your mind. Um, so yeah, there's our statistic of the week. In terms of COVID stuff, um, these are statistics from yesterday, December 20th. Um, by the way, just keep in mind that over the weekends, statistics end up going down because nobody works on the weekend. That's why you'll see statistics go down, down on a Saturday and Sunday, but then they rise back up on a Monday. Um, so obviously stuff's real bad. Um, we're in the middle of our second big wave here. Um, so on December 20th, uh, total cases in the U.S. rose by 180,000. Deaths rose by 1,422. Uh, total cases in PA rose by 6,578. Total deaths in Pennsylvania rose by 95. Um, so stuff is still real bad. Please wear your mask. Take, take this thing seriously. Um, in fact, like the last like two, three weeks, um, it was like the first time COVID actually directly affected me. One of my very close relatives ended up getting COVID. It's legit. It's real. Please wear your mask. Please don't go out unless you have to. Please wash your hands. This is something very real, very serious. Um, and yeah. So now we're going to get into our next segment on the umbrella movement in Hong Kong. So let's get into that. So let's talk about Hong Kong and the umbrella movement. Um, so first, I think it's useful to give everybody a background on like what's been happening in Hong Kong. Like, what is the Umbrella Movement? Um, quite frankly, I first learned about this in depth um, in one of my college courses I was taking this year. Um, I had to kind of do research on the movement because it had to do with um, a paper I was writing about China. And I feel like this is something that... that we as as citizens of the United States have to read about just because I I don't want to say I feel like we take things for granted but you have to understand like to an extent like we we have our own problems right 
but we are pretty lucky to an extent. Um, we're not in the situation that some people in other countries are. Um, so first things first, let's go over like how this all started and, and the background between Hong Kong and China. So basically in um, 1997, um, Hong Kong um, ended up becoming... Um, territory of China. Um, it was originally run by the United Kingdom, um, then was handed over to China, right? But an agreement was struck up between China and Hong Kong, and the agreement's basis was basically one country, two systems. So China has their own communist-type system over there, non-democratic regime, whereas Hong Kong has more of a democratic system with elected officials. Um, there's been animosity between Hong Kong and China, um, since 2014, um, due to China's rising uh, power in Hong Kong and how they are kind of breaking boundaries in terms of, of personal privacy. Um, they're using cameras uh, to, to monitor people, facial recognition technology, you know, stuff that is just kind of a little odd, right? And something that the Hong Kong protesters feel as if is is violating their rights and violating the the one country, um, two systems uh, agreement that they struck up with China in 1997. Um, this is quite interesting because it's, it's very rare that we see a situation like this where there's a, a country that has a territory that has its, its really its, its own rules and doesn't even follow the same um, democratic system as its as its host country. Um, but basically, the reason they're called the Umbrella Movement is because with uh, the cameras and the facial recognition technology, these people use umbrellas to block out their faces so they don't end up getting arrested uh, due to protesting. And this is much more than, than intelligence violations. They simply do not want to be um, under rule of the Chinese government. And something that recently as recent as June 2019, something that recently reignited the umbrella movement is a law um, struck up by um, the legislature that could see citizens tried or taken to court for political crimes in China. And this obviously is a, a pretty big hot button issue um, because <laughs> um, there are going to be different repercussions in China, a non-democratic regime, than... In Hong Kong, Hong Kong's a democratic country. You're going to be um, under fair trial. You don't have that guarantee in China. So I can see why um, why these people are very upset. Um, really, what happened uh, with this movement is that originally it was it was just a bunch of just a bunch of people, literally all all age groups, all demographics, because they just didn't want to be under rule of Hong Kong. This changed. Um, in 2019, it, it changed to be a more student-led movement um, because the students were the ones who were writing these uh, political pieces uh, criticizing uh, Xi Jinping and his government. So the students started le leading the umbrella movement, and they were the ones who started kind of um, vandalizing intelligence systems and kind of holding these these large protests and large marches against the Chinese government. Um, and it's 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 definitely had a, a huge impact um, on what's really about to come. Uh, 
it's become a, a topic in the U.S., a topic of conversation in the United States, so much so that um, all of our, well, not all of our news outlets, but a lot of our uh, news outlets, including the Wall Street Journal, are, are covering this. And here's just a quick audio clip from the Wall Street Journal explaining what's happening in Hong Kong. Protesters in Hong Kong fear they're being watched and tracked when on the streets, and just showing up may expose them to retaliation from the government. More than a thousand people have been arrested since the pro-democracy protests against China's growing control over Hong Kong started in June. You might be so. That was that was just kind of a basis of what's happening. Uh, the Wall Street Journal put uh, their own reporter kind of on the ground there, which I thought was pretty cool and really interesting. But I think we need to do more here because, in my opinion, this has a lot more implications um, than just kind of the rights of Hong Kong citizens. This is something that the world has to pay attention to because China is is violating its citizens' rights to privacy. And this has been something that, that's been talked about in the U.S. before with the Patriot Act. You know, the government being able to access um, your personal information on your phone or on, on social media and stuff like that. But this is even more than that. This is the government, um, like, like taking a video of you, literally videotaping you everywhere you are, and then using that against you. Uh, that's what China wants to do, at least, because that is stuff that China does have in place. And they have um, a system in place in China, if you guys weren't familiar with this, where they will release the face of, like, shoplifters and people who commit petty crimes um, to try them... Uh, to try to get them to turn themselves in. It's almost like a shame contest there. And that's kind of what people in Hong Kong are in fear of because that's super, like, that's that's just violating people's rights to personal privacy. Why are you recording your citizens everywhere they go? That's extremely dangerous. And that's something that um, a lot of the more stable democracies need to pay attention to because we do not want to get to this point. We don't want to get to the point where... Um, we are being watched all the time and and we're, it feels like we're living in in 1984 by George Orwell because that's not cool and that's not something that um we should have to deal with and i as i said before i feel like we take some of this stuff for granted now some more information on on the movement itself um is that hong kong has its own mini constitution right um, it guarantees Hong Kong um, their freedoms and way of life for 50 years. Now, that's that's the caveat. Um, the issue and that the thing that's kind of happening is, is Hong Kong feels as if China's not respecting this and they're trying to, to gain political power in Hong Kong and, and really not respect that treaty. Um, and that the Chinese Communist Party will kind of seep into Hong Kong before 2047, which is when the, the treaty expires. Um, the situation in Hong Kong is not normal and is quite dire. In 2015, five booksellers were abducted to China by secret police. Um, leaders of this umbrella movement were charged with public nuisance offenses. This is all because of the Chinese Communist Party. They do not want to let Hong Kong maintain its unique way of life, and they're upset that a lot of these scholars are calling... Uh, Xi Jinping and the and the Chinese government out on their on their corruption and on their violation of of human rights, right? And this is something that is a very um, hot button issue here in China. And the reason it's a hot button issue is because stuff is starting to get stuff is starting to build up. 
Um, as recent as November of 2019, tear gas has been used. Um, police force, um, police forces were, were actually deployed to a college campus where one of these protests were taking place. Stuff is building up, right? Um, uh, the good thing though, one positive here is that Hong Kong's high court struck down the ban of wearing facial coverings at public assemblies. Um, this was introduced last month by the city's chief executive, Carrie Lam. And basically, the ban supposedly was instituted through the Emergency Regulations Ordinance. Um, and that's what's used by police to crack down on protesters. Um, this, that, in my opinion, that's complete BS. Uh, they they want to be able to just, just see who's doing what at these public, public assemblies. Obviously, they want to crack down on these protesters, but they also want to monitor everybody in general to see who supports uh, the Chinese Communist Party, who's kind of on more of the side of Hong Kong and, and Hong Kong keeping their independence. Um, but, but these are big issues here. This, this almost seems like we're talking about like the beginning of, of, of what would have been like, I don't know, the, the prequel to, to 1984 where stuff starts to build up and, and I don't know, big brother starts to, to do all this crazy stuff in terms of surveillance of, of, of its own citizens. And the thing that, people really need to think about here and i think the chinese government doesn't understand this is that hong kong was under rule um by the united kingdom for a long time the united kingdom has a a um a, a democratic system uh or had a democratic system for most of the time it ruled hong kong uh, a constitutional monarchy um and was entirely capitalist so it's it's very hard for you to try to come in here and and change things very radically, and I'm, I'm surprised that the Chinese government isn't really waiting until 2047, um, because, I mean, they, they, at this point, like, why do you even need Hong Kong? I understand that it produces a lot of, of economic value for the country, since it, it has bustling markets and whatnot, but, but this doesn't really make much sense to me, because China is drawing attention to itself, right? People are seeing that China is trying to violate the rights of its of its own citizens and it's not a good look for china um there is a clip i want to kind of show you guys it's a clip from um a person who's in hong kong just talking about what's what's really happening doing something that you think is perfectly fine right now but then later you, you might be charged uh, based on camera footage based on geolocation data from your mobile phone and so on Lachman Choi researches personal data protection. So basically, that was a, a professor in Hong Kong, and he was just talking about how people, you know, they walk around, but they're scared because they don't know if what the what the government's going to use against you, the, the facial recognition technology, the geo-tracking on your phone. Um, people live in fear. They live in fear of being arrested by the Chinese government. And it's something that, that's really not, uh, not, not cool at all. And... Um, as of recent, the reason I, I brought this up is because as I stated before recently, um, the yellow vest or not the yellow vest movement, I'm sorry, that's something totally different, but the umbrella movement in Hong Kong, um, ha has recently gained more traction because of the rule of extraditing people to China for, for petty crimes. Um, and how, um, as stated by the, um, the, the Nation article I was reading earlier about, about tear gas, stuff is starting to build up. Stuff is getting violent. Um, CNN um, 
wrote an article just talking about the the recent buildup of stuff and how police is is starting to police forces are kind of starting to to get a little more aggressive um you know just just preventing protesters going into the roads they are using are using tear gas they are placing in kind of these um these these mass alerts people get off the streets you know stop protesting stuff like that um but what's really interesting is that this movement did kind of die down a little bit and this this law that has been that has supposedly been been um, proposed is is what kind of caused them to get get back into I don't know just just lit a fire for them um, and what the CNN article discusses how one of the tactics is that they they just shut down all the roads the protesters flood the roads and the high, highways and that that obviously angers people um but that that's that obviously gets people's attention it gets people's attention and it has been working because people are talking about it people are people are starting to see what's going on um i was able to read an article from brookings which kind of talks about um the wide range of views in hong kong about about the value of of democratic elections um, the Chinese government does have a say in it. They engineer Hong Kong's electoral system so that um, no individual mistrusts uh, that the Chinese government mistrusts could really be the chief um, elective chief executive, and no political coalition that it fears could win control of the legislative council, which is which is uh, known as the LEGCO. Um To the elect the chief executive, they created an election committee composed of mainly people it trusts. So this just shows like literally how corrupt China is and how they already have a bunch of influence over Hong Kong. And this influence doesn't really seem to be enough for them. Um, The public um, supports democratization. Pardon pardon my mispronunciation there. But the the public supports this, whereas... Everybody in power doesn't. The public wants democratic elections. They know that these these races are already rigged. They they um they there's been success for these pro democracy parties in the, in the most recent representative election races, um for some of the uh, Legco seats, um candidates of the pro democracy parties together, um ended up getting fifty five to sixty percent of the vote. That's insane. And these parties have tried to, uh, for over roughly 20 years, have tried to make the electoral system more representative and trying to eliminate um, the ability of Beijing and the establishment to control political outcomes. So, you know, this is something we should be rooting for because obviously we want China to be free, or not China to be free, but we want Hong Kong to, to be free. But we also don't want to see stuff like this spread. This literally looks like the prequel for a movie like 1984. Stuff is all normal. The government gets involved. Big Brother gets involved. By the way, if you haven't read 1984, it's a great book by George Orwell. Um, but anyway, like it just seems very, very shady and fishy. It's something we need to pay attention to to make sure stuff like that doesn't happen here. Let's not let our elected officials spy on us. Let's not let them do that to us. Let's make sure we stand our ground. And also, let's make sure we support those in Hong Kong. Because democratic rights for everybody is something very important. We can't just stay on the sidelines and watch stuff happen and watch democracy die around us. We need to be fighters for democracy. And I think that's something very important and something that we should uphold as citizens of a country that is, you know, we have our own issues, but we're, we're, we're a somewhat stable democracy here. So I feel like it's, it's part of our job to really 
help those in Hong Kong. And, you know, I think we need to be doing more. Um, but really, that's honestly all I have on Hong Kong. Um, so next up, we're going to kind of get into the changes that will be happening on the podcast. All right, everyone. So, um, you know, I have some big plans for this podcast. Um, so with that being said, uh, I, I want a few changes. I want to make a few changes. Um, this episode, again, was kind of all over the place. That's kind of been the um, theme. I, I generally rarely use script because I, I want to feel like I have a conversational tone with you guys. And that's that's also just how I talk in person. That's how I am in person. Um, but, you know, I think um, in future episodes, I'm going to probably start using a script. I tried to kind of use um, some audio music inputs in here. Also, I lessened up on the cursing. I'm a firm believer, uh, by the way, that cursing does not represent your your IQ, but I want to challenge myself to use open up my vocabulary and use other words to describe things. Um, as for the schedule, um, honestly, it's something that I don't really know, and I know that's kind of a bummer, but I don't know when I'm going to really be able to, to kind of do this consistently. I'm hoping I'm going to be able to get back to uh, regular scheduling after the new year. But, you know, I had an opportunity to make this episode, so I figured I'd, I'd release this to you guys. Um, thank you guys for listening, and uh, yeah, I'll see you guys next time on New Generation. By the way, I apologize, this episode was supposed to be about toxic masculinity. That will most likely be episode four. But anyway, um, yeah, I'll see you guys on episode four of New Generation. Um, it's your host, Ben Henwood, and I'm out.